Welcome to K-Explores Emerging Research. We're focusing on research that's happening right now. It's science so fresh, you haven't even heard about it yet. I'm Stacy Cochran. And I'm Kim Winslow from the Knowledge Exchange. More rainfall in Ohio means flooded pastures and loss of valuable grazing land for livestock farmers. Unusable land costs them money. Could simple tweaks to how forages are managed bring that land back into production and create a more resilient livestock operation? Today, we're talking with agroecosystems management expert, Dr. Marilia Chiavagato, an assistant professor with a split appointment in the Department of Animal Sciences and Horton Crop Sciences in the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences. Marilia's background in animal and crop sciences gives her a unique perspective. She takes a systems approach to grazing, which means she's looking at plants, animals, and soils to understand how all the processes work together in the real world. But it's her emerging research that we really want to talk about today. Welcome, Marilia. Thank you so much for joining us on our new series. Thank you so much, Stacy. Thank you, Kim. My pleasure to be here. Before we get started, we like to start our podcast with a quick get-to-know-you question, just to, you know, loosen everybody up. So here it is. Would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or into the future to meet your descendants? Wow. <laughs> it's kind of deep, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you caught me off guard there. <laughs> well, but I would, meet, I would um, bet travel back to meet my ancestors just because I feel like I could learn so much from them. And I'm really proud of them, even though I don't necessarily know them now. I'm proud that I'm part of their their family. And so I would, I think I would have a lot of questions and actually that's what I do for a living. So I would have a lot of questions right? and I would be very happy just to thank them for, for me being here today. That's great. Yeah. I think, I think that's the direction I'd probably go just because I love those old pictures and everybody, you know, you just want to know what was happening at that time and really get into their heads and ask them questions about their lives. So. And, and my, um, my, my, you know, from the future, they can figure it out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They're on their own. <laughs> Good luck. Sorry, y'all. You got this thing going. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. No, I love that. I love that gratitude aspect, too. Yeah. Well, and I think that idea, what you were saying, too, about asking so many questions, I would love to ask about the exciting project that you have going on in Southern Ohio. Uh, it's at the Eastern Agricultural Research Station. Can you tell us a little bit about the emerging research that you have going on there? So we are trying to find uh, a simple solution to deal with this problem that is a climate change related problem, but it's already here and we need to find simple and quick solutions. So what we're trying to do is test different uh, grass species and how they can be implemented first in Ohio and then how will they handle the flooding uh, challenge. The problem Marilia is talking about is increased flooding and drought events on grazing pastures, reducing the amount of land available to support livestock. And that impacts the farmer's income potential. Using her understanding of the entire system, everything from the soil to the plants to the animal, Marilia is looking for simple management options that may help ease the impacts of climate change and keep grazing pastures productive. So Eastern is one of the locations that we are doing this, pro this implementation protocols. We also have them in Jackson and um, we have a collaborating farm 
Eastern too, and it's called Flushing, Ohio, uh, and another one in Brown County. So this is a project going on four different locations where you really want to give farmers um, a broad perspective that they could do it in different locations, no matter their, their situation or where they're at. And, and then we'll see actually how these forages will grow. And we, I think we'll have a nice perspective on which ones are better where. And so we're very excited to start that. So you're looking at a lot of processes for your research. What does a day in the life look like for your research? Are you in the lab? Are you in the field? What's happening? So a lot is happening and it actually changes. It varies a lot. We have periods of field work. So every day we're out in the field. It's very intense, so long hours of work. Summer is great. We have sunlight until really late. And so we can be out there. And that's what I tell my students. I tell them, you're going to have very intense weeks. You're going to be stressed out. It's going to be hard. And then it gets better for a little bit. And then you have this, again, this periods of uh, field work. So when we go out in the field, we're there every day, usually in pasture sites with grazing and cows. So many days, let's say two weeks of this, sampling everything we can. We sample gas, soil, plant, forages, water in some locations. And then we come back with all this to the lab. And then we have many days in the lab. And so that's, and I like to, to think about that more of um, the field work is more, it's like say closer to the real life, what's going on out there where farmers are doing, but we are researchers. And so we bring all this information to the lab and that's what we do as science scientists. So then in the lab, we are looking everything into the detail, going deep into the gas and the molecule. So it's really this combination between the real life work and then the scientists, you know, work. Pull all that together for me, because as we were talking in the beginning, you are looking at systems-based research. And so when you're talking about field work plus laboratory work, I think that's actually starting to scratch at the surface of these bigger questions that you're asking. So can you go into a little bit more detail about why you're doing and looking at all of these different processes, both in the field and in the lab? What bigger questions are you asking? So the big question is how will an agroecosystem respond to a certain uh, management strategy? So we apply the management strategy and we look at how is the plant growing? How is the soil condition? How are the soil conditions? How is the animal behaving in that circumstance? And what I, what I do, my approach to it, and this is important, especially for students, because systems approach is increasing and students are interested and so what I always tell them in my lab is I have five students. So although they have reductionistic views for their projects, we are putting everything together in this big picture and we need everyone to do this. Nobody can do a systems approach alone. And so I have a student looking at the roots. It's a specific view. That's what he's looking at. But the roots are important for the plant growth and plants growing and animals are eating it. And so that is the connection that we look in the lab as a whole this is the, the research that we do, although each one of us will have a more specific view. So I have a background in grazing. That's what I understand mostly, how the animals are behaving there. So I count on my student from the soil background to look at that, and I trust him with these aspects. And then that's where we put everything together. And the main question is uh, the relationship between things, is how one change in one pool, what I call ecosystems pool, affect the others. So how changing plant affects greenhouse gas emissions, right? That's atmosphere. So that's an, another pool, but they're related. 
And this is what we're looking at is like management, management strategies that affect the entire system and change it completely. Well, and it sounds too, uh, I know when I was looking at your work before, one of the things that I found particularly fascinating is when you talk about these management strategies, it's in response to these larger impacts that we're seeing more and more frequently. So I know we're talking about drought right now, you know, we're looking out west and we're seeing how that is such, you know, such an impact. Yeah, I think it was, I thought it was over 40% of the country is impacted by drought right now. Yeah, so we're seeing such a huge impact. And if I remember correctly, your current project is looking at flooding, which if you remember 2019 was just Mm -hmm. a terrible situation for Ohio in particular. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, the management strategy surrounding flooding and what it is that you're looking at with this project? Yeah, so that, that is the resilience aspect of this position is we're looking and we're trying to increase resilience of these agroecosystems to adverse weather changes. It's nice that you mentioned drought because when I was in Brazil, I was working a lot with the drought uh, condition and, and now here is the flooding. So they're just two completely different scenarios. And this is what is interesting about systems approach is that we apply the solution that is related to the problem. So when you have a drought problem, what we're doing in Brazil is we are managing the system with the animal. So we're using the animal pool to change the system. So grazing strategies, stocking rate, stocking density, grazing pressure. So how do you change animal pool to then work the soil and have water cycling better? That's a drought condition. But in a flooding condition, I need to look at the plant Plants are the ones who are going to use this water. And so the first thing is tackling the plant pool, managing that, and then with this changing soil conditions to then at the end, I can bring the animal in to then complete the system. We are managing flooding pastures the same way that we manage non-flood pastures right now, but they're not the same. And so the conditions are different and we need to treat each system differently. So for the flooding is what kind of plant can grow with a lot of water? You know, plants that have more resilient root system, root traits, deeper roots, they can work this water better. They can create, bring air into the soil. Um, And so we are, that's what we are, we are manipulating now. It's the plant pool. So trying different uh, forage species. And we have native species from Ohio that are used to a lot of water and the soils that we have here, but they disappeared over time. They're not being used anymore. And there is interest. Farmers are seeing that this could be an alternative. So that's what we're trying to bring back. So we have four um, native warm season grass species that we are testing in these lo- different locations across the state. And we want to see uh, by introducing these species into the grazing, into the pasture system, could we decrease the flooding effects or impacts on the soil? So if the plant is more appropriate, it's more like adapted, I guess, to use lots of, to grow in lots of water, then we have a pasture that is productive, but it's appropriate for that condition. And is this an overnight change or is, does this happen over multiple years? So the systems approach research really is a multi-year um, research. It's a long-term research that we need time. Because exactly what we're trying to see is how one thing affects the other, and it takes time. It takes time for a plant to establish well, especially under flooding. 
right? It's not the perfect condition already to begin with. It's a difficult condition. So the plant needs time to put all the roots down. After that, it will start growing up. Um, biomass start coming, will start coming up. And then it's, it's when we're going to start putting the animals to graze it. So we are just beginning. We're implementing it now. And it is a research that requires patience and end time. I'm sure we'll be able to show nice results. Um, if we don't find with this species, we will try other species, but it's gonna take some time. And that's what I try, and that's why I also try to keep this management strategy simple enough because I want them to be readily available for farmers, even though it will take time. They could start right now without completely disrupting their operation. They could start in some plots, begin this, you know, changing their species, with time and then grazing slowly over time. And that's how we're going to find a solution. Is anyone else doing this kind of work? Well, yes. Um, I was, you know, I'm always bring up my, um, my PhD advisor from, from Michigan State. I, I worked with him, Jason Roundtree, Dr. Ray Jason Roundtree, and he has a very nice systems approach view from off grazing systems, looking at environmental impacts, looking at holistic uh, systems, holistic management. I learned everything from him and then I'm applying here. I actually, I'm also proud to be at OSU. I think we are pioneering in the multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary work. I feel like OSU is taking this seriously. The Infect Hire, Discovery Theme, all that shows how much we are into this. And again, it's gonna take time, but I feel, I feel a lot of support and the creation of my position was primarily this, is trying to be together animals and plants in a multidisciplinary systems work. So I feel like, although there are some groups doing this, I feel like OSU is really, um, it's going to take, it's taking the lead on, on this type of research. So Marilia, I love that you're doing work at Eastern and also in Jackson. So can you talk a little bit more about maybe any connections you have with extension educators, extension professionals in those two spaces or with the project in general and how that's going for you? Yes, and that is nice. It's a nice question because the project started in extension. It was brought to us by an extension educator, Christine Gelly from Ears, the Noble County. And she was listening to the, the demand from farmers. And so that came to us. And then we are working in collaboration with, with her in this specific project. And it is in direct collaboration. We do everything together. We send grants out. They are co-authors. So we are working very closely with the extension educators and the farm managers. They are involved in every decision that we make all the time. And that's exactly how what I wanted about this project, because this is a project that I want to communicate to farmers. This is the final objective of the project is that they will be able to implement the protocols that we find. And from my office, I cannot do that. I need extension educators to bring the word out, you know, take what we find and show them. And so we this project was completely thought with that in mind, even the, the plot decision where we put in the farm, it's of uh, a easy access to bring farmers in and show them. All the, all the locations were placed in places that it's easily easy access for farmers to come and show and see. So another collaborator that we have in the project at Belmont County now is Dan. He's the extension educator from Belmont County. He will be joining us in August on these projects. We already had a conversation with him. He's familiar with, with the farm where we're placing this. And the differential at that location is that 
the farm is a commercial farm. It's a collaborating farm, so not a research station. And that was also something that I really wanted to add um, to kind of take off this, oh, this is only happening in research stations. You know, we have research stations, but we also have collaborating farms. So everything in the project was thought with the farmer final user in mind. And um, with the support of extension, this is really the only way we can do it. And we are working, Christine is also working on fact sheets about the, the native warm season grasses. We are working on fact sheets with the greenhouse gas uh, impacts from dairy systems now. And then we'll move forward for the, the beef or beef uh, industry as well. And I'm glad, I'm actually very glad and, and, and thankful to have found such good extension educators. Christine is amazing. She's a great collaborator. She has been to all the farms. She answered all my questions. <laughs> all the time yes thank mm. you christine we love you too yes <laughs> she's amazing uh so i have a question for the farmers i guess you know they they've they're livestock farmers they know their animals they know their land mm. uh what do you say to them this this seems like is it more work is this something else that they're gonna have to think about i don't want to disrupt their lives <laughs> I really don't. I'm trying to find solutions for them. And I really do understand that they need to keep it productive. But my intention is that we implement change slowly and progressively. So we start with a small change at a small area. And from there, we build up. Because the solutions that we are trying to bring to them, they are simple solutions and cheap. So I'm not trying to introduce, you know, complex integrated systems that they would have to buy a machinery or a piece of equipment. That's not what we're doing. Um, I come from a, a background of agriculture and I've worked in many places too. I've, I mean, I'm Brazilian and I've lived in France and Spain. And in Brazil, I've worked in different states. And here I lived in Michigan and Ohio. And I feel like I have, uh, I've met a lot of farmers and I, I, I hear them and I know that um, it is difficult. Um, we don't want to create more problems. We want to just find solutions. So the, the, the management strategies that we test, that's the first question that I have to make myself. What do I want to test, right? What kind of management strategies are worth pursuing? And when I think about that question, I connect that to the final user, user and I think, will they use this? If I test it here and it's good, okay, but will they use it? You know, right. You can come up with a solution, but if they're not going to actually do it, then that doesn't yeah. help anybody. Um, but what I ask from them is that uh, they also be open to change a little bit, at least like I'm saying, small changes in small areas that should be enough for us to start because the weather is changing. Climate is changing. The world is changing and we need to adapt. And so we need a little bit of change. There's going to have to be. <laughs> right. Nobody likes change. It's yeah. like, can we just be honest? It's really hard for people. Nope. Nope. No one. <laughs> That's right. Is it the dream big segment? It is time for our dream big segment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Marilia, if you had unlimited resources, grants, time, funding, what big questions would you research next? The biggest question that I would like to tackle is long-term change. So I would want to have a field where I could implement these management strategies today and keep it for 20 years. 
You know, that's, I what I, that's what I mean. Like a, f a big farm. Like, you said unlimited, right? Yes, so, unlimited. <laughs> a big farm where I can implement these different strategies. And then I would have these treatments with different strategies. Implementing today, 2021, and then keep it there, leave it there for 20 years. And doing this process starting today, because I feel like the baseline and the first years are also important, the change period. Starting today, I would monitor and get responses for everything that possible. And so then I would look, I would collaborate with Steve Coleman, Christine Sprunger, which I already uh, work with them and they're great. So they would be looking at the soil and then Steve Lyon would be looking at the water. Doug Jackson Smith would be looking at the social ap aspects of this long-term um, experiment or treatments. Um, Uyang Hu would look at how the consumer sees long-term research and integrated systems, you know. Um, well, Gil Signorini would look at how the economic aspects of this would affect the supply chain of the beef, you know. So, and then from this long-term big experiment, I would add people to look at every aspect. So the grazing, and then I would collaborate with my PhD advisor, like I said, from Michigan State and get the, the insights from him again. So how is the grazing, the holistic system with the grazing changing in, in long-term? That's my, my dream. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I think this is my favorite question of all of our podcast questions, because every time I just drool all over it. <laughs> I love all the ideas. names. Yes, exactly. <laughs> great ideas. I love all the people that you're mentioning. And I love how oftentimes when we get to this question, it really brings everything together from the emerging research that you're talking about, too. Because, you know, when when we were talking about your emerging work, you're hearing about just a few of the management options that you're exploring. You're hearing about a few of the systems based parameters that you're looking at. And when we hear about unlimited funding, unlimited time, all the people you want to work with, it's really just taking that to the next level. You know, it's taking it so that you can look at as many management, you know, as many management options as you can, and then folding in some of those social questions as well, you know, trying to be more in touch with farmers, trying to be more in touch with the cultural and social aspect of all of this, which, you know, as we all know, is, is just as important. So, right. um, no, yeah. I love it. And I feel like in a long-term study like this, everyone would benefit from having the history of the site and how that changes over time and including people, consumers. I always think about that because it's completely related to farmers. They will sell their product. So how are they perceiving these strategies? You know, we are adding resilience. So can they also add value? You know, if a farmer is working hard to increase organic matter in their field, which is very important for climate, can they add value to it? Will the consumer value it more if they know how hard the farm is working, is working on it? Because maybe they don't know. And I feel like they don't know all the hard work that the farmers are doing um, right. to keep the soil health healthy, you know. And we need to communicate. So and then when you communicate, what happens then? You know, can we add more value? Can we, and then we can go into other other aspects like carbon credits or or, any, or things like that. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, we see how popular farmers markets are, and you know, all this huge movement to buying local. Um, you know, I think we're on the verge of something, but 
You're right, Marilia. You know, I think that we really need to bring more attention to that and um, bring more life to it. it. It would take it that next step. So we have time for one final question. This has been a great discussion. Um, really appreciate you spending time with us today. What do you feel are the key takeaways that you hope to learn from this project? The main, the main result of this, the flooding project, I think, is to find the established protocols that are easy to implement in different or in specific locations. And the protocol is really detailed in terms of everything. We're trying to include everything. So it's the herbicide application, it's the when, it's the how, which one you know, which specifically one you apply, how deep do you plant? Everything matters when you're talking about an environmental sensitive agroecosystem. And we are already seeing the difference. It's very early, but we saw that we are also including cover crops in the rotations in some treatments. And we are seeing how some of the cover crops are growing differently in the southwest and in the southeast. So it's a detail, but it matters. It matters at the end for a farmer when they're trying to implement and they don't want to have bare ground for a long time. So I won't tell them, plant this hover crop that it's not going to work on their region. Right. Yep. So it, it's specific enough. And that's how information I feel like is more helpful. So that will, if that makes me write 10 reports, <laughs> then, <laughs> then it's okay. I will. Right. But then they can get that targeted information that helps them right where they are. Because that is the problem with science, scientific communication, I think. It's, sometimes it can be very general. And so they read and the results are great. And then they do and it doesn't work. And there's frustration. I'm trying to understand the broad process. This is the research side, but I'm providing them specific answers. So it's a different point of view. And it's my role as a scientist to, to separate these things in my mind. When I'm doing in my lab, the question may be big, maybe systems approach, but I'm talking to them. It's a specific. No, I love it. I love it. And I think you're completely right about um, the ability to take this idea of the systems-based approach and make it into a translatable applied fashion so that not only can the farming community, you know, our producers be able to implement it in a way that's helpful to them, but so that our larger agricultural community can understand everything that went into it and understand why this type of research is important. Uh, so I can completely appreciate that aspect. Yeah, when we show, like when I'm teaching a class, we show students I'm talking about the big picture, you know, and the connections that they have to make. But what is fun is that sometimes you have to connect things from different systems. You know, if you get to a farm and you're like, well, this is this plant and this animal, but it's dry. And so where have I seen this before? Anywhere, because it's unique. But I can't take the knowledge that I had before from a drought situation with this plant and that animal and kind of creating my mind what could be. And that's when a hypothesis come up. And then when I try something different. So, Marilia, we've really enjoyed talking with you today. And I particularly have really enjoyed learning about how the different management strategies that you are looking into are addressing big questions like drought and flooding and really understanding what we can do for the farmer on the back end to create more resilient systems. And I know that that takes a lot of effort from your lab's perspective to look at all of these different pieces and parts, both in the field and in the laboratory. But I know ultimately it's answering 
practical applied questions that are going to do big things in the long run. So it's been a joy to learn about this entire process from you. That's great. Yeah, I think I need to apply a systems approach to my life. That might might help me. (laughs) We'll talk later. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Marilia. We really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you so much. I'm really happy to talk to you. Always a pleasure (laughs) talking to you guys. Want to explore more fresh research from the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences? Visit kx.osu.edu. And thanks for listening to K-Explores Emerging Research.